Our learning objective is to define an anomaly and identify various anomalies that have been tested. These are, in effect, tests of the semi-strong form of the efficient market hypothesis. Now, before getting into the tests of the semi-strong form, I just want to point out that whether or not you believe the semi-strong form can have tremendous implications for how one goes about making investments. If you reject the semi-strong form, then it means that you believe that you can find publicly available information that it will allow you to make superior investments. If this were true, and if I believed it, it means that every waking moment that I'm not earning my uh, living, I should spend studying publicly available information to see if I can find superior investment choices. So I would spend my weekends reading annual reports, my evenings reading investment publications, and constantly on the lookout for information that might be useful. If I accept the semi-strong form and conclude that any information I might find by reading all of these things is already incorporated in the price, then it's, it's wonderful news because it means I can spend my weekends playing golf, playing with my kids, I can spend my evenings relaxing because anything I might have learned from reading the material is not really going to help me. An anomaly is a strategy that allows for permanent or persistent abnormal returns on a consistent basis after adjusting for risk. So an anomaly is some strategy based upon some set of uh, facts or observations that allow the investor to consistently earn above average returns. Okay, why might uh, there be anomalies? One argument that is sometimes used to defend the existence of anomalies is what's called the small firm effect. It's based on the fact that researchers have noticed that there is a tendency for smaller firms to earn above average rates of return. Now, of course, if a small firm continues to earn above average rates of return, it won't remain small for long. It will become a large firm. Now, why might that be? Well, not all investors have the resources and expertise to properly assess all these small firms that exist out there. Certainly, the, the major institutional investors, for several reasons, do not focus a lot of resources on analyzing the really small firms that exist in the marketplace. Another reason might be that uh, some of the misvaluation of small firms may be available only to people who are able to take control of the entire company. And so, skip, uh, omitting the, the ability to take control of the company, then uh, the, the shareholders may be able to achieve over time consistently above uh, average rates of return. 
Another possibility is that when we figure out uh, appropriate measures of risk, it may be that there is some element of risk in small firms that we are not properly capturing in our models of risk adjustment. Another anomaly that was considered popular for a while is referred to as dogs of the Dow. Now, the basic argument for dogs of the Dow is to say that, look, the stocks that make up the Dow Jones Industrial Average are all large, well-established firms, and nothing bad is really going to happen to them. And so, if you pick the 10 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which seem to be most out of favor with investors, then there's a very good chance that you'll earn an above average rate of return. And what the developers of the dogs of the Dow theory suggested is pick the 10 stocks with the highest dividend yield out of the 30 stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. You hold these stocks for one year, and then at the end of the year, you go back and you identify again the 10 stocks in the Dow with the highest dividend yield. Of course, there's a good chance that some of the stocks you held the first year may still be among the top 10 dividend yielding stocks. When the original research on the dogs of the Dow was published, uh, it indicated that had you been following this strategy, you would have performed phenomenally compared to the Dow Jones Industrial Average. For some strange reason, once it was published, it turns out that this strategy has not worked particularly effective. One reason that this might be the case, and for other such strategies that are published on a regular basis, is a phenomenon that we refer to as spinning the tape. Now, the phrase goes back to the days when databases were maintained on tapes. And the argument was that, look, if you have all these stock prices and other information on a tape, and you test enough different strategies, sooner or later, you'll find one that works just by random chance. Think of the person who flips a coin, flips a head, 10 times in a row. It will happen by random chance, occasionally. So you test enough ideas, you'll find something that on a historical basis will work. Some people would also refer to this as making up the theory to fit the data. And of course, you, if you keep making up theory to fit the data, you'll come up with some very successful theories or strategies. And as soon as you go outside your original database, to apply the strategy, lo and behold, it's incredibly likely that uh, the strategy will no longer work. Some other observations that have been made about market movements are what we call the day of the week effect. Some researchers have noticed that you could actually get a slight edge if you, when you sell, you sell late on a Friday, and when you buy, you buy late on a Monday. Now why might this work? Well it might work if by chance managers of companies 
followed a strategy of announcing bad news after the close of the market on Friday. You know, it, it's human nature not to want to announce bad news, and it's human nature not to want to see the consequences of the bad news that you have to announce. And so for this reason, a lot of times bad news is released after the close of the market, or uh, frequently it's released after the close of the market on Friday. So in the event that a company has some bad news to release, if you sell the stock just before the potential release of the bad news, then uh, you avoid any price pressure from that. And then if you wait until late on Monday when all that bad news has been disseminated and incorporated into the stock's price, then, the, then you have a chance of buying the stock at a, at a price that at least incorporates all of that bad news. And if there's been some overreaction, then you get an even lower price in buying the stock. Another anomaly that has been identified is, is the additions to and deletions from major indexes like the S&P 500. The, the reason for this is over uh, recent years, the last couple decades, we have seen tremendous growth in what are called index funds. So these are mutual funds that uh, make it their objective to create a portfolio that is essentially identical to a major index, and the S&P 500 is one of the most popular. And of course, the S&P 500 is not a stable index. For various reasons, the managers of the S&P 500 at times will have to change the composition. And these index funds are actually fairly substantial in the marketplace, so they hold substantial positions in the companies that make up the S&P 500. And so when there is an announcement as to a change in the index, these index funds cannot actually change their portfolio till the day on which the change in the index is actually made. If they change before, then their portfolio no longer exactly matches the S&P 500. So if you know that some major institutions are all getting ready to sell a stock in two days, that would suggest that uh, if you sell it today, you may be able to sell it at a higher price, or more importantly, if they're getting ready to add a stock in two days. So a huge wave of purchase orders in two days that would suggest buy the stock today and get in before they, they drive up the price. An analogy would be in a football game to, to, for the defense to be able to know in advance of when the ball is snapped whether the next play is going to be a pass or a run, and if it's a run, which side of the field are they going to run to? Uh, so it's a tremendous advantage. Uh, and, and there has been some documentation that the strategy, that this anomaly works. Let's consider some true-false questions. An anomaly is an exception to what is expected in a perfectly efficient market. That would be true. In a perfectly efficient market, you would expect no anomalies to occur, and yet there is some evidence that there are some anomalies out there. There is some evidence that if you are going to sell something anyway, 
sell it on a Monday. That's false. It's sell late on Friday, buy late on Monday. The dogs of the Dow are the 10 stocks with the lowest P.E. ratios. That's false. The dogs of the Dow are the 10 stocks with the lowest, excuse me, with the highest dividend yields.